and it was a fucking meaty slap. He did not hold back on her. He barely hesitated. He was like, oh, I have to whack. I mean, can you imagine being hit by that man? He's a big dude. I don't know if I'd rather be hit by his fist or his stick. Uh, the fist, I think so. <laughs> that stick is intense. This podcast has ruined the way I watch TV. Oh, darn. One, when we were in California together, after you left, I watched two episodes of Lost with our Aunt Allie. And I was like, man, these episodes are really short. Well, I guess when you don't pause it every five seconds to take notes, they go by a lot faster. And then I was watching The Walking Dead yesterday, and this like real douche of a character was just like talking nonstop. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what Lauren thinks about this. Oh, wait. <laughs> douche of the week. I'll just give it to him. I don't know who it is. <laughs> Never watched the show, but probably douche of the week. Okay, this probably, no, we're starting this recording 50 minutes after we said we were going to start it, all my fault, and probably not a good time to tell you that I do need to be done by around noon to go ice skating. Maybe maybe noon 15. Okay. Well, let's not waste any time then. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. And I'm Lauren. And she's more lost than ever. So lost. Today we're covering season two, episode seven, The Other 48 Days, which really just feels like a backdoor pilot to another show. Don't you dare. That was my thing. I was going to say that. I literally put that in my notes. So here was the thing. Since you told me last week that that's what this episode was going to be, I've honestly been dreading it. Really? And it's only because... I wanted that reunion so bad. And then in this episode, when we see Bernard's side of the longing for his wife and everything, missing Angelica, longing for my wife, Hamilton. Anyway, when we see Bernard's side of it, I wanted it even more. And then as they were working up to the end, I was like, maybe we'll get it anyway. We didn't. And <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll just skip over the immediate fallout. Well, I just, I want it so bad. Like, I have never wanted to jump to the next episode. I almost just watched it last night. I was like, I will not, for the integrity of this podcast, I will not. But, like, I want to so bad. And so, got off track, but... That's the way I felt going into this episode. It's like when a show is going to do a spinoff. And so they do that whole episode as like introducing the spinoff. I always skip that shit. I don't want to see that. And I understand this is not a spinoff. We're bringing two groups together and we need to like be invested in these people too. But I don't know them yet. I don't care about them. I want to see Son and Jane get back together. I always hate watching a backdoor pilot, especially when the show doesn't get picked up. That's when it's even worse because it's really just like such a waste. I still have a theory that that random episode in season two of Stranger Things or Eleven's just like with those teenagers. Yeah. I think that was a backdoor pilot. Definitely. What's your favorite spinoff? Favorite spinoff. Okay, well... This is cheating, but like the Arrowverse is basically all just spinning off of Arrow, even though they really are their own shows. But like Flash was on two episodes of Arrow and then they were like, oh, we're doing the Flash now. So like that's a spinoff. Mine would probably be the originals from Vampire Diaries. That's a good one. It's the only one uh, I can think of, <laughs> to be honest. What about Joey? <laughs> well, no. See, I can think of other ones that I didn't watch. But that's the only one I've watched and enjoyed, I think. You know, I personally love this episode, even though it doesn't really advance the plot all that much, especially because it it's really similar to the second episode where it just stops where we left off. But it also pisses me off a little bit because I used to love that show, The Wilds, before it got canceled. And you know, spoiler alert, the entire second season is basically just like, what if we did the first season again, but with men? 
and like sprinkle in the girls. And I remember watching it and thinking, I think I just did this whole man storyline in an episode. And I know they can do it because they did it before on the other 48 days. It was weird. Like, I I understand the necessity of it. I really do. And, and I didn't even dislike it. It just was weird. Like, it almost even felt like we were going back to season one. Like, here's my question. Did they film this at the same time of season one? Because the quality, like, the sound quality was kind of weird. Like, it honestly felt older than the show. Does that make sense? Older than the show itself? Like, older than where we are currently. Mm. I honestly felt like we were going back to season one budget, season one quality. Well, the season one budget was $12 million. I understand that. But in every show, the season one quality is just worse than the rest of the show. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I disagree. It has a feel about it. Not that this season one of Lost was like low budget. There was something when I was watching it, it literally, I had to check to make sure that my sound system was on. And it was, I was like, this sound is like not good. I did not pick up on any of that, but to answer your question, no, I just don't think the technological advances from 2004 to 2005 were really all that much. No, it's not. I don't know. It just like something fell off about it. And I also, I mean, we'll get into it, but like the, some of the directing choices, I don't know if that's really a directing choice, but some of the the things they used, whatever, uh, questionable, we'll get there. Well, now that we've talked about the entire episode, what's your synopsis? Uh, my synopsis is we get caught up on the shenanigans of the tailies leading up to that bitch killing my girl, Shannon. <laughs> well, I've got some quick bits for you. Number one, the episode was directed by Eric. Oh, fuck. I looked it up too. Spell it and let me try to say it. I'm going to type it out while you spell it. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. L. A. A. N. N. E. U. And then Vil. It's Lonaville. Lonaville. That's what I was going to say. I nailed it. This episode was directed by Eric Lonaville, who will do five episodes of Lost in total. This was his first one. Uh, He's also done a lot of, like, weekly procedural shows like CSI New York, Blue Bloods, and CSLA, The Chicago's. He did Grey's. He did DC Legends, which is not a procedural show at all. But, yeah. Okay. This was the first episode not to feature Jack or Hurley, as they have both appeared in every episode since the beginning. Hmm. Which, last week... Jack was in it for like half a second as he stepped around someone in a flashback. Yeah, you know. This was also the first episode not to feature any pre-island flashbacks. Uh, There was one point where I thought we were going to get a little mini flashback. Where was it? Uh, It doesn't matter. Maybe it'll come to me. But it almost felt like there should have been a flashback there. You know what I mean? I think I'm so used to them. I think I know what it is. And I'll see if it triggers your memory when I recap it. Okay. And lastly, this episode revealed that Bernard was the voice on the other side of the radio on the day that Boone fell. That was like, that was a good little reveal. I'll be honest. That was nice. Now, if you remember when we recorded that episode, I said that if you listen to it, now that you know what they said, if you go back and watch that episode, you can hear it more clearly. Yeah, definitely. I'm not going to go back and watch it, but like, (laughs) yeah. As I've referenced numerous times, I always, like, title each scene when I break it down in my notes. This was the easiest episode to title the scenes. By the day? Just by the day. I mean, they were cruising through those days at one point. But some days we got one sentence. <laughs> yeah, honestly, <laughs> we're like, yeah. We're like, day six, well, that guy's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the jump from day... Seven to day 12, I was like, really? Nothing happened in between those days. Day one starts with one of my favorite opening scenes of the show, where it's just like a really normal beach until the tail section hits the water and a chair kills the cameraman. Really broke the fifth wall there. 
<laughs> Someone's not gonna get that reference. They're gonna be like, they're so dumb. That's not that's not what it is. They don't get the reference. Go back like eight episodes ago and listen to the podcast. Well, clearly people don't listen to this in order, considering our second most watched episode is like episode seven. Well, that one was really long, so they might have just had to have listened to it multiple times. I don't think that's how that works. Also, Neither. I keep saying watched, it's listened, but you guys get it. Ana Lucia comes to underwater and swims to the top and then to shore, as does Echo. They start dragging people out of the water as the tail section sinks. Echo pulls Zack out of the water and then goes back for his sister, Emma. These are the kids that we saw in the jungle earlier. Anna runs over and does CPR on Emma as Echo distracts the boy. Okay, once again, half shitty CPR, half accurate. So her breaths, terrible. Tip the head back, people. I cannot stress this enough. Pinch the nose, tip the head back. That's how you open the airway. That bitch is just kissing that child. But, but her compressions... We're accurate. For a child, you use one hand as opposed to two for an adult and your two fingers or thumb for an infant. I always love how passionate you are about CPR. I just really can't. It's such a small detail. Just tip the head back, people. Like, it's not that hard. Well, can't you tip it too far back? I mean, I guess. But if you don't tip it at all, you're not doing anything. Zach leaves Emma the teddy bear and then... The CPR eventually works, and she coughs with the water, and Amelia asks for her mother, saying that she was supposed to meet her in L.A. Ana Lucia simply tells her that they're not there yet and promises that she's going to get her home soon. Then we get a, I don't, I don't know what the shot is, it's like they back out as we see the survivors of the crash scream for their loved ones as the tail section completely goes underwater. And now, to quote Taylor Swift, nope, I don't know who, I don't know who wrote this song, actually, but did you get Deja Vu? That is Taylor Swift. Okay, I nailed it. <laughs> Wait, is it? Do you get it? No, that is Olivia Rodrigo. Oh there my it is. God. Why did I think that was Taylor Swift? That is so embarrassing. I don't know why I thought it was Taylor Swift. But anyway, did you get deja vu? No. No, this didn't feel at all like the pilot to you? Yeah, I mean, it did, I guess. But I'm too distraught over thinking, over messing up Taylor Swift lyrics. That's... <laughs> That's really upsetting. Echo asks Cindy to watch the children as he pulls the bodies out of the water. While Anna and Libby tend to a man with a severely broken leg. He still has this leg, by the way. Let's not mess that up again. Ha ha ha. Very funny. Libby tells a story of when she broke her leg to distract the man as she sets it. She okay. I'm sorry. Once again, I knew that's what she was about to do. Like she's gonna set the leg. That is not how you set a leg. She just broke it more. She, I think she like twisted it back into place. Twisted it. You're like I'm pretty sure what that fracture looked like it needed was to be like pulled out. Like okay, we got to get Devin on here because yeah. Why do you always like say oh that's not medically accurate? Do you have any medical training? I'm sorry. It doesn't take a fucking doctor to watch her twist that leg 90 degrees. That leg, that the fracture, all it is is like the tibia is sticking straight. Like it's it's a, what's it called? A compound fracture where it's coming out the skin, but it's coming like straight up like this. Twisting it 90 degrees is only going to snap the leg completely. Like absolutely not. It needs to be pulled out so it can be realigned. I'm not going to lie. I didn't see bone. So I did How did not you know not that. see bone? You're I not, didn't see bone. I was looking at Libby. Lauren. That bone was literally like, I mean, it looked like this. Like you could see the bone coming through the skin. I'll have to go back and watch. You've seen this show like 20 times. You've never noticed the compound fracture. You know, I every time I watch the show, I notice something different. Like just the other day when we were in California, I watched and found with Aunt Allie and it was that scene with Jack and son. And when he was talking about his wedding ring, I remember telling you, it's like, I can't believe she didn't go like what? But there was such a subtle scene where son looked down at his ring finger and saw that there was no ring. And then he just like looks at it and then they continue the conversation. I was like, I never have noticed that before. I noticed that when I watched it. Yeah. I'm better than you. Really? Because what if I just don't believe you? <laughs> I'm very honest about what I miss things. 
Like if I'm just going to start lying, then I would have been like, yeah, I definitely saw that smoke thing. <laughs> and the Virgin Mary statue. Yeah, I definitely saw that. And Cindy was the flight attendant. Oh, I forgot about that. Anna asks if Libby is a doctor, and she says that she has a year of med school under her belt, but she's a clinical psychologist. Libby asks if Anna is a doctor. The answer is also no. Then Goodwin comes running out of the jungle saying he found someone alive. The two of them run in and find Bernard stuck in a chair in a tree. I would have just died. I would have just died. So I don't know if I would have brought up this point had Aunt Allie not texted us. In, the, in our little group chat, she pointed out, before I had even watched the episode, but that's okay, we forgive you. How is he stuck in a chair if he was getting up to use the restroom? Right? Right. And you responded exactly to the text. But, like, am I just dumb? Because my thought is just, okay, they hit aggressive turbulence. He sat down in the first chair that he saw available, strapped himself in, boom, bam, they wreck, he's in a tree. No, the first, what I responded exactly to was, why did they make me like Shannon before they killed her? I didn't even see that text. I did not even see that until right now. That's funny. Yes, he, they hit turbulence, he stumbled out of the bathroom, and buckled in. Pretty much exactly what Charlie did, but in the back of the plane. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so when you said exactly, and then I watched the episode, I was like, uh, it's, I mean, pretty obvious, but now I get it, because I just didn't read all the messages. Well, once I realized that she's dishing out spoilers, I was like, I gotta avoid. Yeah, I I saw that, and I was like, what the fuck? Well, I mean, we might as well just say that I accidentally spoiled the Shannon thing to her, because (laughs) she's already watched the show, but she, like, forgets what happened, so she's been watching it along with us. And when I got to her house, she's like, oh, how far along are you guys? I said, oh, the last one we did was when Shannon dies. And she goes, I am not there yet. It's <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. So I'm pretty sure I did a major spoiler, and she gave me a tiny little pea-sized spoiler. That's not even spoiling anything. It's funny, though. She scrolled through our TikToks and, like, saw the ones that you're not allowed to see. And she's like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. And I was like, what do you remember and what do you not remember? Yeah, but it's one of those things where, like, you remember it when you see it, but if you don't have any reference to it, then like, you know. True. Anna instructs Bernard to unbuckle and grab the branch in front of him. And when he does so, the chair falls out of the tree and Anna climbs up to save him. Later, Echo walks with the children as Libby asks for water and Goodwin works on a signal fire. He tells Anna that he is a member of the Peace Corps and they introduce themselves to each other. We were talking about how this was like basically a backdoor pilot, but it also reminds me of like every cartoon ever where the main characters meet themselves, but like in a different colored pattern. And it's like, oh, it's it's backwards world or whatever. It's like this basically was just the original characters, but like a little different. I think so. I don't really see them as just being like different versions of the middle plane people. It's it's kind of like they just blended a lot of them together. Like, Anna is basically Jack, but with, like, a little bit of Kate in her in the sense that she's even more annoying. I just think that it's, like, in any group dynamic of a show, you're going to have those, like, archetypal characters. Like, you're going to have the leader. You're going to have, like, the super helpful one. You're, like, the strong, silent type. Like, you know what I mean? It's just... I don't think it's copying from Loss. It's copying from every show ever. Not accusing Loss of copying from Loss. No, but you know, I'm shut yeah. up. I have to sneeze. <laughs> Ow. On night one, Bernard asks Echo if he pulled Rose out of the water, and he says no. Echo tells him that he will pray for her. Then Bernard asks where the rescue plans are, and Echo says he will pray for them as well. I have to say. I'm not a religious person, but that would comfort me. Echo is very comforting. Even in this, in this next scene when Anna is awoken by the sound of a fight and tells Libby to watch the kids and Anna and Goodwin run up and find Echo has killed two men with a rock. That's very comforting. He's protecting us. 
I have a question for you. Yeah. Why do you think the others came for the Talias on night one, but not the main peeps? I did question that because I'm like, damn, these people are getting fucked by the others. I think it has to just be proximity. Like, I assume that, like, they are just a lot closer to the others. And the others are like, okay, well, they're going to stumble upon us. So we might as well just get them. Whereas, like, our main people must be, like, much farther away. Because it took a long time for them to have any contact. I mean, obviously, they sent someone to infiltrate both camps. So that is interesting. Something happened on the first night at the main camp. Main camp. The monster. Oh, so maybe the monster is not friends with the others. And maybe they did try to come for them, but the monster stopped them. Remember, Danielle called it a security system. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I'm not confirming anything. I'm just putting ideas in your head. Ideas are put. On day two, Anna searches the bodies. No wallet, no phone, no keys. And then she asks if Echo is okay, but he does not respond. Nathan, who is the Charlie of the group, tells everyone that three people... It's just because I hate him. Okay, I was going to say, he's nothing like Charlie. Nathan tells everyone that three people are missing, and Anna asks if he saw where the others came from. He said he saw nothing. Echo grabs his stick, and I love this stick. Anna tells everyone the dead people and the rest of the others were there before them, and they need to find a safer place off the beach. Nathan says with the kids and the injured and the signal fire, they can't leave. Goodwin agrees with Nathan. Anna says that the satellites in the sky will help them be found, but Cindy shares that the plane was off course by the time of the crash. Oh my God. Your reminder that Cindy was a flight attendant is helping me so much because I'm watching this scene and I was like, how do these people know these things? Like when I'm on a plane, I don't know anything going on. Now, granted, I did take into account technology has advanced and I use noise canceling headphones on a plane, <laughs> but I was just like, how does she know this? Now I get it. She's a flight attendant. You don't feel when a plane turns? No. I mean, I guess, but like, I'm not going to question it. I'm just like, oh, it's time to turn. When you fly out of San Diego, you go over water first and then turn around, which funny story. My girlfriend, Kate, producer of the podcast, did not know that. So she was on the plane. It took off and she said, we're being hijacked. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. She also has a line later where she says that she's good with faces because of the passengers. Did you not pick up on that either? Oh, my God. I also questioned that. I was like, who's just looking at everybody on the plane? Like, that's crazy. Yes. Cindy, flight attendant. Okay. That makes so much more sense. On day three, everyone is struggling to find food. And Libby tells Anna that Donald the leg guy is going to die. And he will be the fourth since the crash. Anna says that there is nothing they can do. On day five, the Tailies bury Donald the leg guy in their own graveyard. Anna holds the kids close to her and Echo stands off the side facing the ocean. Their graveyard filled up a lot quicker than everybody else's. Well, yeah. They took the time to actually bury everyone who died compared to just burning them all. Yeah. That's also a huge disadvantage. They had like no supplies compared to the main people. Well, they had enough supplies to make a bunch of fucking weapons. They're all shaped like boomerangs. Okay. You've never, you didn't notice that the end of their stick is just a wooden boomerang. Yeah, I did notice, but okay. On day seven, Goodwin and some others struggle to catch a chicken. And when he does, he breaks its neck. Foreshadowing. That was sad. They cook it over the fire as Libby tries to get Echo to eat. Again, he does not speak. She asks him why he is not talking, and when he doesn't answer, she tells him that he was just defending himself. But Echo continues to carve into his stick. Did you have a theory at the time of why Echo wasn't talking? Um, not really. I mean, I obviously thought it related to the fact that he just killed somebody. But I just kind of thought, like, he must be traumatized. I don't really know. Could you imagine if we would have met Echo and he still wasn't talking? I feel like you would have been like, he's so interesting. I need to know more. I would have been obsessed with him. Obsessed. 
Day 12, Anna works on a weapon saying that she thinks she heard a pig and they can try to get some bacon. She looks over at the children and Goodwin takes notice of that. Then Nathan comes out of the jungle and Anna shames him for wandering off by himself. Later that night, the others return and take nine more people, including the children. And Anna gets tackled by another, but she kills her with a rock. Libby tells Anna that the kids are gone and she demands to know where they went, but no one knows. So Anna begins to question the corpse. Goodwin tells her that she is dead. So instead, she searches the girl's pockets and finds a knife and a list of names, the nine people that were taken. You know what I was thinking in this scene? That girl that she kills looks pretty young. But I couldn't really, I was like trying to get a better glimpse of her. And I was like, how young does she look? Does she look like she could be 16? Like Danielle's daughter? That's what I was thinking. I doubt it is her. <laughs> Did but you that's... imagine though, if the show just killed off Danielle's daughter like that? <laughs> I know, but... I, I don't think that it was her, but that was just like what was on my mind at the time that I was like, Danielle's daughter is obviously like in there. Like I've said before, I don't think they're killing the children. I think they're using the children to populate their little group. And at that point, I mean, if she was taken as a baby, they've definitely just like, she's definitely part of them. You know what I mean? Right. I was just like, Ooh, she could be on that beach. We don't even know it. Why do you think the others came back and took more people and yet to, I mean, other than Claire, they haven't taken anybody from the main camp. I, I really don't know. I still think it could be proximity. I, it could just be that like the main camp has a lot more people. It might be harder to like infiltrate them, but I don't know. Echo returns having failed to find a trail, and Anna gets frustrated with him not talking, but Nathan tells her to calm down. They need to figure things out. Anna asks why the others had a list of their names and descriptions. Nathan offers up the people that were taken the first night as the leak of information, but Anna points out that no one knew each other on the first night. Nathan says that they may be watching them. Anna asks where he was for two hours the day before the attack. Goodwin tells her to calm down, and Bernard says the idea of them infiltrating them does not make sense. But Libby and Goodwin say that it's finally time for them to leave the beach. Were you suspicious of Nathan at any point? I wasn't. Because they wanted me to be suspicious of it. They were making him like out to be the bad guy immediately. So I was like, no. No way. So then naturally you were suspicious of Goodwin. Well, yeah, because they've named him in the past. And what I immediately was thinking was, okay, we've, in the previous episode, they're like, remember Goodwin? Remember Goodwin? That's Goodwin. They never talked about Nathan. They never said shit about Nathan. The only thing I was questioning was I was like, okay, well, maybe Nathan killed Goodwin, and that's why they keep referencing Goodwin. Well, you but, saw Goodwin's body. Yeah, I, we see Goodwin dead. But the only thing I was like, okay, well, maybe... Nathan is the traitor and he killed Goodwin. And that's why they're like, remember Goodwin, he got betrayed or something like that. But they were just putting Nathan as the bad guy was just like way too obvious. I was like, no way. I agree with you, but I like how they subtly had Goodwin like always on Nathan's side. So it like looked like it was Nathan, but like Goodwin's like, yeah, these are good points. If they hadn't, if like, if a previous episode hadn't, named Goodwin, I would not have suspected him at all because he just seems like almost kind of like a lock, not to like contradict myself and say, no, there's no parallels. Kind of seems like the lock of the group. Like he's just kind of wise and like there and helpful and everything. But no, I would not have suspected him if I didn't already know his name previously and know that there was something to do with him. I think it's hopefully I'm using the correct definition of irony here. But it's ironic to me that later when they're marching across the island, they're like, we have to stick to the coast. Like we don't go into the jungle. But like when they move into the jungle, no one gets taken. But on the beach, they lost 12 people. I guess that's ironic. I don't really know. 
On day 15, the remaining seven of them walk through the jungle and find a creek. Anna tells them that they can take a five-minute break, but Bernard asks for a longer rest, and Nathan says that he's just going to set up camp here, and Anna caves. When I typed that note, I was like, holy shit, they went from 23 to 7 in like two weeks. That's crazy. Yeah, that is a lot. Like, I actually at one point was like, did they even show us a, like a reasoning for how many people they lost? Because like we see like maybe six graves or something. And then obviously a lot of people get taken. But I was like, I feel like they lost even more people, but they must have just skipped over it. Well, they said 23 survived the initial crash. Four were taken or three were taken the first night because they tried to take Echo 2. Four died in between the two attacks and then nine people were taken. Does that account for everybody? I was hoping you were doing the math because you keep I, staring at your phone. I was not doing that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's just move on. On day 17, Libby confides in Anna that she does not trust Nathan and that he creeps her out. She asks, as Anna digs the hole, if she really thinks one of them is an other. And Anna asks her why she thinks she's digging the hole. I knew they had to have dug that pit, but like seeing the pit originally and then seeing her like actually start digging it, I was just like, it's a lot of dedication. Couldn't have her been digging. Me. Her digging that hole is the most unbelievable part of this whole show. Do you really? know how hard that is to dig a hole that big? No way. In, in the jungle, there's trees everywhere. There's roots everywhere. And where'd she put all that dirt? I didn't see a big pile of dirt. <laughs> Absolutely not. On day 19, Bernard and Nathan make a snare trap as Anna walks up and knocks out Nathan and drags him to the pit. He asks what she is doing, and Anna tells him they're going to have a little talk as she locks him in there. Anna tells everyone that Nathan was not on the plane. She never saw him once, and Cindy agrees, saying she never saw him either. At two points, they said that no one saw Nathan for two hours. During this conversation and during the conversation when Nathan says he was in the bathroom. My issue is they said they flew the last two hours of the flight in the wrong direction. That implies it was more than two hours in the air. Right. So that's just like a little continuity error there. Is it? Yeah. It's like. No. We were up in, she said, we were up in the air for two hours and no one saw his face. If you're flying in the wrong direction for two hours, that implies you had to have been flying in the right direction for more time. I didn't know that she said specifically nobody saw you on the plane for two hours. I thought she was saying that two hours part was when he disappeared into the jungle and no no one saw you. Okay. I don't know about that, but because later when she was like, why did no one see you on the plane? He was like, I was in the lavatory. And she's like, for two hours? Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. She does say that. Goodwin argues for Nathan's defense, and Libby points out that he never talks about himself. Anna asks if Echo has any issues with this, and again, he remains silent. Later that night, Anna opens the lid and asks where the children are. He does not answer, and she asks why he was on the plane and why no one knows who he is. He explains that he was there on a business trip. His team went home early and he stayed to sightsee. Unhappy with the answers, she closes the lid. What were your thoughts on Anna throwing him in the pit to begin with? Pretty intense, but she's a pretty intense person. Let's put you in a similar situation where you are convinced someone amongst the group is a traitor. What would you have done? Well, I can tell you, I would not have dug a hole by myself. Look, I know my position in a group setting. I'm not an Anna. I'm probably more like a Libby. Just breaking people's legs. I'm just going to try to help where I can, but I'm not going to get involved in all that shit. But I will gossip about it. <laughs> I'm probably more of a Bernard. <laughs> Bernard. <laughs> On day 23, he still will not answer her but she sees that someone is sneaking him food. Anna confronts the group trying to determine who was feeding him. She initially thinks it's Bernard, and he says it was not him, but he thinks that there is no spy. Anna points out how it was Nathan's idea to stay at the beach, and Libby points out that the others have not returned since Nathan was put in the pit. Echo then appears, confirming that he was the one giving Nathan food. 
Why do you think Echo was feeding him? I think Echo is just like morally good. And even if someone is a prisoner, like they still deserve food. Basically. He had no interest or he had no problems beating the shit out of the rafties or almost stabbing Sawyer with a machete. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe he just like thought that Nathan wasn't guilty, but I also just think, okay, like in his mind, beating the shit out of the rafty bros was like defense. He thought, Oh my God, it's more people coming to get us or whatever. But Nathan is not a threat right now. He's in a hole. So I just think it was just like a moral decision to Mm. give him a banana. At the Creek, Goodwin tells Anna that he is worried about her. Anna tells Goodwin that she promised Emma that she would get her home. Goodwin then asks if she has kids and there's a long pause. And the answer is no. This is when I think that you were expecting a flashback. No, no, no. Interesting. Do you remember? It was something. It was something like that. I already knew that. Like I thought they were just going to show us again to like remind us. And I cannot remember. We'll get there. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I feel like it was, I don't know. We'll get there. Maybe. Goodwin tells her that they should let Nathan go and that they are not savages. But Anna says that if she was a savage, she would have cut off his finger already. But she plans to do that tomorrow. Why do you think there was such a long pause when she said no, that she does not have kids? Oh, well, you're backtracking. Um, obviously, there's something there. I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, clearly... Give me a prediction, Lauren. <laughs> I don't have a prediction. Like, clearly, one day we're going to get a flashback thing. And, like, there's going to be a reason she doesn't have kids. Or it's a point of contention. Maybe she's divorced because she wanted kids and her husband didn't. And she's recently divorced and she doesn't have... You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be something that is, like important to her or to her backstory. Later that night, Goodwin frees Nathan, telling him to go. But as Nathan goes to run, Goodwin grabs him and snaps his neck. Wow. Wow. So it turns out you were right that yeah. Goodwin was another. <laughs> I, I I said Goodwin, more like Badwin. <laughs> So you somehow stumbled your way into a prediction because you interpreted the scene wrong, but were correct in what the actual like outcome was. So clearly I didn't interpret the scene wrong. I'm really smart. Well, I mean, this was supposed to be a twist. (laughs) If the interpretation of the scene was, oh, Goodwin's an other, then this wouldn't have been a reveal. I'm just really smart. I should point out that all of this happened on day 23, which is a number. Whoa. The next day, Anna wakes up to Goodwin staring at her. That was creepy as hell. Yeah. And Cindy runs in saying that Nathan is gone. They run to the pit and find it empty. And Anna tells the others, found them and it's time to go. On day 26, the remaining six march across the island and find another beach. And there's an early sign of Anna's distrust in Goodwin by the way that she's looking at him. Then on day 27, they find the arrow station. When Echo opens it, they see that the door is also marked quarantine. Mm -hmm. Inside, they ask what the arrow is, and Goodwin says it looks like it's a storage facility. They find power, they find crates, and a Bible, and a glass eye, and also the radio. I must know about the glass eye. I must. Will we ever get an answer on the glass eye? You can infer an answer at some point. Okay, cool beans. I like it. Do you think Goodwin was correct in saying it's a storage unit? I mean, that's what it looks like to me. And you think he would know more than anyone since he's another. I mean, he obviously knows about the island. I don't know if he's like part of these like hatch things. The Dharma Initiative? That. I don't really know, but obviously he's like on the island. So like. Why do you want to know about the glass eye so bad? Someone's walking around with one eye. I just want to know who. (laughs) 
People walk around with one eye every day. I know, and I want to meet them. Come on. They go outside and cannot get a signal with the radio, and Goodwin takes it, offering to climb the mountains. Anna offers to go with Goodwin, which he tries to reject, but she says she won't take no for an answer, and the two of them march on. On the walk, Anna asks Goodwin why he thinks the others are attacking, and Goodwin says that maybe they are not attacking them. Anna asks why they only take some of them and not others, and Goodwin points out that the first attack was aimed at the threatening men, and Anna points out that Goodwin was not taken. They take a break, and Goodwin asks for the knife to cut some fruit. She hands the knife to him and gives her a slice, but then she asks where they got the knife from. She asks for it back and points out that it's a U.S. Army knife circa 1980. A couple things. One, when they're like walking and she's questioning him, it reminded me a lot of when Saeed was interrogating Locke on their little walk. Two, why is it that every time they're eating fruit in this show, I get jealous as if I can't just go to the store and buy a mango? <laughs> like they're on this island and they're all like starving and they're like eating a mango. And I'm like, oh, lucky. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but I eat my apples the way that they always cut up fruit where I just like cut yeah. off slices. I do notice that. Where do you think the others got the knife from? I mean, like, literally so many options. Like, someone wrecked. Okay, like, maybe Danielle's group. One of them was in the army. The French people? Okay, like, the French could have a U.S. Army knife. I don't know. Who cares? Like, someone came to the island with that knife, and now they have the knife. Like, I don't think it's that deep. That would imply a third group of people crashed on the island. Well, the others got there somehow. And the whole ass fucking Dharma people came and built whole things. One of them probably had a knife on him. Anna asked how Goodwin found Bernard and why he was not wet on day one. Anna asked if Bernard saw him and that's why he pretended to be one of them. And then Goodwin drops the act. She asks where the others are and asks about Nathan. And Goodwin says that had she taken his finger and he still pled his innocence, she would have realized that she had the wrong guy. She asks if he killed him. And Goodwin says that he was not a good person, which is why he was not on the list. Then she asks about the kids and he says that they are better off. Not to make a pun here, but the tension in this scene could have been cut with a knife. Wow. I'm more focused on what he said about he Nathan wasn't taken because he's not a good person. What? That's really interesting. How do they know who's a good person and who's like, was that what Goodwin was doing this whole time? He was just like talking to each person and deciding if they're good. And why are the others taking peace people based on if they're good? And they didn't take Ana Lucia. So she's not good. Do you think Anna's good? I mean, she's kind of a bitch, but like, I don't know if she's bad. Like, they tried to take Echo, and that makes sense to me. He does well, they, seem morally good. They took Echo initially because he was a big, threatening person. So you're t- so okay, but the, why didn't they take Nathan initially? Because he's a dude, and he seems fit. Kind of a string bean, really. I don't think so. I feel like. I mean, I don't know who else they took, but it kind of seems like they should have taken him. Whatever. That's an interesting little thing that he just said. Does beg the question, why was Libby, Bernard, Echo, Cindy, why weren't they taken on the, on the second trip? Yeah, like they all seem good. I'm just, w- but also they might just not have been able to take more than. But the list only people. had nine names on it. Yeah, but maybe that's the first round. They're like, we can take nine people. And we'll come back for the other good people later. I don't know. They had Goodwin all that time. They could have come back. They never did. Don't know. Maybe they have to get the first nine people in line. You know, you can't have too many people in the camp that you're trying to break and mold to your ideals. Because if you brought in way more people, then they're just going to be able to take over. Nine is like a manageable number for them. Anna makes her move. And tries to go for the knife. They fight and roll down the hill, not a cliff. And Anna gets her hands on a spear and stabs Goodwin in the chest. 
She then goes back to the group, and when they ask where Goodwin is, she tells them they are safe, and everyone is left speechless. What a dumbass. I mean, he fully just leapt into that spear. He just said, uh, that's probably fine. Blech. Yeah. Has he not seen, well, it hasn't come out yet, but had he not seen Revenge of the Sith, the high ground is where it's at. I mean, he had the high ground and he died. Yeah, but he leapt to the lower ground. That's the whole point of having high ground so you can attack from above, which is what he did. But he attacked right into a spear into his chest. Like, it it wasn't like she whipped it out at the last second. She had it and then he jumped. Come on, guy. Why do you think the others left Goodwin out there? I mean, I think it's always good to have a guy on the inside. His his body. Oh, his body? (laughs) Because they don't care. They're clearly not sentimental. They probably left Ethan somewhere, too. No, the middle section people buried him. How kind. (laughs) Day 41 rolls around, a significant day in island history. As Anna tells Bernard to stop wasting time with the radio, but he says he only does it every couple of minutes a day. But then the radio picks up Boone's transmission. Bernard tries to talk to him, but when Boone says that he is a survivor of Oceanic 815, Bernard responds that they are the survivors of 815. Anna turns off the radio saying it was them, that they know the flight number because Goodwin knew the flight number. And Bernard asks, what if there are other survivors? Anna says that there are no survivors left, that this is their life now. Get used to it. Does this cheapen Boone's death at all for you? No. It's frustrating that they're both talking to each other. Like, okay, you think there was a glimmer of hope and that he went up there for that. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, you know, obviously you got to try. But what I will say is knowing, like, with the knowledge of it is the other group and her just being like, no, it's not. It was really frustrating to watch. I felt really bad for Bernard because he got a glimmer of hope for Rose and it just, like, got cut down. But the other thing that it made me think of is they're like, oh, they know the flight number because Goodwin knows the flight number. Once again, you're telling me that they're all wrecked on this island and they're just sitting around going, oh, flight 815. Like, why do these all of these people know the flight number and why are they saying it? Like, I'm not going to wreck and then just be like, hi, did you know that that was flight 815 out there in the water? That's 815. It's not like they're on a radio going like, oh, we're the survivors of 815. Like, they didn't do that in front of Goodwin. So why would it ever be mentioned? That's what I want to know. I, when I was flying back from California the other day, I flew into Phoenix. And Kate was like, you haven't texted me back. I had to track your flight to see if you crashed or not, or if maybe you were just up in the air. And I was like, if I crash, I better be on a fucking cool number, not flight 1355. That's a lot of numbers. My flights are never that many numbers. Really? I always get four digits. No, mine's normally three digits. It's normally like DL, because like, oh, normally if I Delta or something, it'll be like DL337 or whatever. Yeah, well, fucking Southwest, man. Anna goes to the stream for a little bit of a cry, and Echo follows her. She asks what he wants, and he tells her that it's going to be okay. Did you have a reaction when he started talking? I did. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Hottie of the week. Well, I'll update the spreadsheet, except I already made that prediction. Yeah, I mean, it was obvious. Like, how are you not going to give it to Echo? I will say, the queen of low-rise dreams tried to take it. She's still, like, a little bit... When she was mean to Bernard, I was like, no. She looks good. You can understand why a, you know, 10-year-old might have looked her up naked. (laughs) I... No. She comments that he is talking again, and he says it's been 40 days. She asks why he waited 40 days to talk, but he responds that she waited 40 days to cry. And then she begins to sob and falls into a hug from Echo. And you know, sometimes the universe just aligns perfectly. And it just so happens that we recorded this episode the week of Ash Wednesday, and it will be released the week of Easter. That's crazy. That is actually crazy. I was about to go into the whole... Once again, you know, I have obvious observations, but I just have to say them so that you know that I noticed. 
clearly Echo's got a religious thing going on. He had that moment with the Bible. He said he was going to pray for Rose and the whole 40 days thing. So it's interesting because I'll be honest, I'm, I'm weird about religious people, but I do like him. So I'm curious to see where that's going to go. On days 45 through 47, we see just quick glimpses of things that we have already seen. But first we see Cindy and Libby find Jin's body, wash up on the shore. They call for Anna, they tie him up, they blindfold him, and Echo asks who he is, but Jin only speaks Korean. Anna argues that Jin must be an other because of the broken handcuff on his wrist, which that thing has been on there for some time now. <laughs> Echo says he doesn't think Jin is a threat, but immediately Jin breaks free and runs. And we saw how that went for everybody. We get quick glimpses of everyone being thrown in the pit, and then Anna telling Echo to hit her so that she can talk to them. And it was a fucking meaty slap. He did not hold back on her. He barely hesitated. He was like, oh, I have to whack. I love that he did. He did like the fake out. He's like. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine being hit by that man? He's a big dude. I don't know if I'd rather be hit by his fist or his stick. Uh, The fist. I think so. (laughs) That stick is intense. (laughs) I don't like the way that sounded. Like, it's literally a stick, people. I don't... That sounded so gross. I don't like that. More glimpses of the time in the pit. On day 46, the tailies took everyone out and back to the aero station. And on day 47, they marched across the jungle, the coastline. Sawyer collapsed and Cindy was taken. You said you didn't like the, these little montage bits. I didn't like the style of how they did it with like the weird slow-mo and like it felt very like dated I guess is what I'll say like I didn't like it I thought it was kind of cheap but it's fine what makes the moment for me is the music I just think it's so badass I mean I guess it just it felt cheesy to me I don't really know how else they could have done it but there's got to be a different way. Then we arrive on day 48. This time we see it from their perspective. As the tailies try to find Cindy and the whispers continue to surround them. Anna frantically aims her gun and fires as Shannon comes out of the jungle. Michael asks what that was. And once again, we see Saeed holding a dead Shannon in his arms, staring at Anna Lucia. And that is how the episode ends. That was pretty sad to see again it's frustrating because it's like i want to hate Ana lucia but i mean it's it's not like her fault but it's it's frustrating because i'm mad at her but i i know i shouldn't be do you think saeed is gonna have that same uh, mature reaction no saeed is gonna flip shit let's just assume saeed flip shit how do you think Anna's gonna react to that i don't think she's gonna be i think she'll be like minimally apologetic but just knowing her so far i think she's going to be more just defensive and like not very nice about it to be honest how do you think they're going to get from where they are now with shannon to back at the beach i feel like there's going to be a lot of things going on because the middle tail section are going to learn in about four seconds that the raft crashed walt was kidnapped and shannon is dead gonna be chaos i think i don't really know i don't even really have a prediction like and that sawyer is like oh yeah sawyer's on the brink of death like that that's a lot i gotta get jack they're gonna like saeed's probably gonna want to detain ana lucia and also we've got reunions happening we've got who the fuck are these people we've got a lot. Like, and that, that's a lot. This episode is going to be intense. Yeah. Except next week is actually the other other 48 days from the perspective of the others. No, it's not. I know. <laughs> I would have I would have quit. <laughs> like uh, next week's actually just just a total Jack episode, only flashbacks. And it's just him <laughs> yelling at people for an hour. It's actually a Vincent episode. Oh, I would watch that. Hey, this is your reminder, people. Follow us on TikTok so we can film our Vincent episode. We're at yeah. 311 at the time of recording. We need 500. 
when we get to 500 followers, we will be filming the Vincent-centric episode. Please give us ideas. We, yeah, we when we get to 400, doing. I'll start the script. <laughs> How do you think Bernard is going to handle this? Or I guess really everyone on the tail section that's not Ana Lucia. Because obviously tempers are going to flare. People are going to be coming for Ana. And that's supposed to be their friend. I feel like Bernard really is going to be in the stickiest spot because his wife is on the other side. But then these are people he's been with for the last 48 days. I don't think that's a sticky spot at all. Fuck it. Who cares about the drama between the sections of the plane? He's reunited with his wife. And just knowing how no-nonsense Rose is about everything, they are just going to go be happy. Like, they do not care. Absolutely not. As they should. Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren? It was fine. Like, I was disappointed that I didn't get my reunion. Whatever. I'll I'll get it next week. But I feel like it's good because now I'm pretty interested in Echo. Like, I think I have a new character that I might be obsessed with. Really? I don't know about obsessed, but I do. I really like him. But I unfortunately do feel like I now have a character that I hate again. Or like another hatred. I'm like, I'm not liking Lucia. Like she's too intense. And like, I get it. She's just trying to like protect everybody. But like, I don't know. I feel like Anna is such a complicated character. Not if you're our, our mother. She just thinks she's a bitch. But she clearly has some sort of trauma she's bringing to the island. And then she loses people under her watch just constantly including the children which really got to her her most trusted confidant was the person that was responsible for everything she probably blames nathan for her or blames herself for nathan and then just shot an innocent woman so she's got a lot of trauma here's the thing that's interesting typically i really like a character like anna like when i read I'm often like siding with those types of characters. Like there's a series that I read that's very popular and a lot of people hate a certain character because she's very similar to Anna. She has a lot of trauma and she's a total bitch. Like she has a really hard time opening up to people. Mm, And a lot of people, no, a (laughs) lot of people really don't like her, but I actually like her. Like I don't, I don't mind her at all. So I'm like, I'm open to liking Ana Lucia. It's just like. She killed Shannon. Well, yeah, that's really hard for me. And I don't think it's her fault. But like, so far, I haven't. This episode was a little better because in the beginning, I even put in my notes like she was actually kind and like more gentle, especially with the children in the beginning. It's just like she hardens very quickly. It was 48 days. Yeah, but I feel like she didn't take 48 days to harden. Like, she hardened by, like, well, what are we supposed to do about that when, like, the leg guy was dying? You know what I mean? Like, we're already seeing her slipping into, like, defense mode. That was a Jack moment to me a little bit because, like, they it was, like, when the water shortage was happening and everyone was looking to him, Libby came running over and was like, Donald's about to die. And she's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah, I don't know. I just mean, like, I just saw her walls go up and she just has like a very tough exterior. Yeah. She's a very interesting character. And as complex as she is, she also is like a strong female character, which is refreshing to have on this show. Yeah. And you know, honestly, if she didn't just kill Shannon right in front of Saeed, I could almost see like a connection between them. Like, I, I, I do not predict that at all. But if it hadn't happened, because, like, I feel like Saeed appreciates a strong woman. You know what I mean? Now, that's totally contradicted by the fact that he just was hooking up with Shannon, who, in my opinion, is not a strong female character. She was, she was potential, though. Yeah, definitely. But I feel like I could see something there. But they're, they might almost be too similar. So maybe not. You remind me of the people that ship Negan and Maggie on The Walking Dead. Negan killed Maggie's husband right in front of him, of bo- of her, with a baseball bat. And people are like, they, they're getting their own spinoff together. People are like, I don't know. Could I just be something love, there. 
I love like a a love story like with strife. I don't think that's the right word, but like okay, I love an enemies to lover. That's like my favorite trope in books. It's so good. So if it happens, I'm not I'm not mad about it. I love an enemies to lover, but it's a little different when they started off as enemies because the actual lover was murdered. No, it's actually perfect. Like that's like somebody should write that. I'm sure it's been written. Under that, the dome. Uh, because a lot of the times when it's an enemies to lover, the enemies part is just like, we don't like each other. But like, for what? For what reason? This is a perfect reason. That is a good reason to be enemies. What's and that show with the girl who's a cat? <laughs> what? Hold on a second. Time out. Time out. <sighs> the show with the girl who's a cat? Well, I found the ship name. What's the fucking show's name? Shira and the Princess of Power. I feel like I've heard of that. No idea what that is. It, it's it's like an animated show. I don't think it's anime because it looks heavily American. But it's an anime show where the main character, Shira and the main villain, Catradora, start off hating each other but eventually fall in love. Now I have to watch it. Okay, here's the thing. The more I think about it, the more I actually want it to happen. Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel like this is one of those things where I'm so off base and it's not going to happen. But, like, I really want it to happen. And also, like, I need Saeed to be happy. I need him to find love again. I don't think that's going to happen either. I think he's just going to be grumpy from now on. But, oh, Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of <laughs> love it. I feel like they're going to, sh- it's going to be her and Jack because we already had that little setup at the bar in the airport. I hate that. I don't, I don't like that at all. But if it keeps Jack and Kate away from each other, that's great because I want Kate and Sawyer. Oh my God. You're just so ass backwards about all of your ships. No, I, I like toxicity in my relationships on tv you got to keep it interesting like i don't want a jim and pam situation where they get together and they're just fucking happy i feel like that's the logic behind uh gray's anatomy and station 19 i saw an interview with one of their like writers where it's like if they were just happy and like watching tv all the time you'd be bored it's like we'll write a better storyline don't just fucking break them up because you have nothing else going on I mean, I stopped watching Grey's Anatomy a long time ago. That show is dog shit, but probably just offended a lot of people. But on TikTok, I called out Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, I saw that and I agree with it. But I don't know. Mm, We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You know what I just keep thinking about? Like, there are so many more seasons of this show. And I'm just like, what is going to happen? Like, there's so much. And, And there's obviously, like, so much more that happens because as much as I don't watch the TikTok. Sometimes I just see the thumbnail that we make. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> so there are like more characters that I have no idea who they even are. And I'm just like, there's so much more that's going to happen in this. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know. It's overwhelming me. Well, speaking of characters next week. Ooh, I have to predict. Okay, once again, I'm going to go back to my original thing. I think it's going to be a Sawyer episode because I think the focus might be saving Sawyer. Okay. Do you remember when I said that the person who gets the most development, but the episode is not about, I said that pattern was over? Yeah. Well, it's back. (laughs) Okay, then then wait. Then let me guess. Ana Lucia. It is an Ana Lucia episode. Which is really weird to me because I know that this episode didn't really have a particular person, but it really just felt like it was an Anna episode. This is actually going to drive me crazy because I still don't know what part I thought we were going to get a flashback. I almost, oh my God, I'm not going to watch it again because I don't have time, but like, that's actually going to drive me crazy. Let me see if I put anything in my notes about it. I don't think I did. No, I've got nothing. That is like, Oh, that's going to really bother me. <laughs> but yes, next week titled Collision, which is an appropriate name considering that this was a collision of the two groups. Collision. Can I make a guess right now? Yeah. Here's my guess. Collision. Ana Lucia was pregnant. Car accident. Lost the baby. That's my guess. Right, we will see. Well, until then. 
We did make some TikTok content. It is already up. Some of it is still to come. Please head on over to our TikTok. Get us to 500 followers so Zane has to film a Vincent-centric episode starring his own dog, Locke, who is very cute. You can find us on TikTok at laurengetslost.pod and on Instagram at laurengetslostpod. Shout out to Elizabeth, who sent us a very nice DM on Instagram saying how she loved us. We hope you're doing well too, Elizabeth. If you want to get a shout out, DM us. You can be famous like Elizabeth. You can find us on Twitter at Lauren Gets Lost and on Facebook by searching Lauren Gets Lost Podcast. Please somebody go to Facebook and comment on something that Zane posts. I feel so bad. Every He posts the episodes every week and nobody says anything. It's honestly depressing. If you're like Elizabeth and you love us, you can give us five stars wherever you're listening. Leave us a review. Send us a nice DM. And if you super, super love us, you can donate to the podcast using the link in the episode description. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your flight attendant, and join us next week for Collision. Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Wister, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time.